Welcome to this episode of Musical Progression. Today's guest is Allison Best, a collaborative pianist and music entrepreneur from Rexburg, Idaho. In today's podcast, we talk about her journey from being a college student to one of the most popular and sought after collaborative artists in the Southeast Idaho region, as well as how she works with her own performing ensembles to get gigs and sponsors and a whole lot more. Allison is a graduate of Brigham Young University, Idaho, having completed a Bachelor of Science and Music degree in 2009. During her time as a student, she was frequently asked to accompany university choirs and voice students. After graduating, she has continued providing her accompaniment services to BYU-Idaho as an employee of the College of Visual and Performing Arts. She works with university choirs, symphonies, bands, students, and other professors as a rehearsal and performance pianist for the theater and music departments. Her many experiences with the university have led to an extensive repertoire list that includes every genre from every era of music. She is highly regarded by university faculty as well as performing arts students. Allison's main passion is opera. She was a featured harpsichordist for the 2011 BYU-Idaho Theater production of The Marriage of Figaro and has accompanied opera selections from Don Giovanni, Johnny Skeeky, Old Maid and a Thief, Madame Butterfly, Hansel and Gretel, The Magic Flute, Tartuffe, Carmen, and numerous other works. As a collaborative pianist, Allison has accompanied and played alongside artists such as Allison Cambridge, Alfie Bowe, Brian Stokes Mitchell, Santino Fontana, David Archuleta, and Frederica von Stade. Allison has frequently accompanied and performed with the Idaho Falls Symphony and has earned the praise and respect of conductor Dr. Thomas Heuser. She has also collaborated in performances for Opera Idaho, the Playmill Theater, and the Idaho Falls Opera Theater, among many other solo and ensemble groups, including her latest venture with Trio de Bois. Be sure to check out her website after the podcast at allisonvestaccompanist.com. All right, so first off, do you consider yourself more of one thing than another in your musicianship? You're you're a collaborative pianist, you're an active performer, a coach, a teacher, uh, an overall entrepreneur. Is is there one of these that sticks out for you most or are you are you a total package? <laughs> uh, I believe that the one that sticks out most for me is the collaborative pianist and probably that's because I've just done it for so long mm-hmm. um, becoming a coach becoming a piano teacher um, those things kind of rolled along in the process okay. and so that's been like I consider myself most a collaborative pianist so is is collaborative piano is, would you consider that kind of the gateway into all this other stuff I mean you got a lot of pokers in the fire yeah, definitely. Um, it You are such a versatile musician, honestly. Um, a friend of mine applied for master's program at Eastman. And so I was like, oh, I'll look at the collaborative piano program there. So he had to sing five arias. Oh, and wow. I had to, if I were to apply, I had to do probably about 45 to 60 minutes of music. Because there's just so much that you have to cover as a collaborative pianist because you're you're playing literally all the music <laughs> yeah i mean looking back if i had to choose a different instrument to study growing up and in college i definitely would have chosen the piano or the organ you know just a, a keyboard instrument because, right <laughs> i mean uh, and a huge part of that is the opportunities i mean if if i could have hired myself out as a collaborative artist i would have probably been a little bit better financially during my college and and uh, grad school years 
So how did you set up your collaboration business and how did you get so darn popular? I mean, you're one of the most <laughs> in-demand collaborators in Southeast Idaho. Oh, excellent question. Um, you know, it kind of, not that it like fell into my lap, but I just, just always enjoyed playing the piano. Um, I'm very active in my church and our church has a choir with the people that live in our area and mm. I would go sing and they found out I played the piano. And so I kind of got started in church choirs, you know, they always need someone to play the piano. Yeah. I don't really play the organ. I can like cheat for church. Yeah, <laughs> same works, here. You know? Same here. I'm still, but, the um, feet remain stationary right? when I'm on the organ. I know. Organists, I swear, they're the most <laughs> amazing people on the planet. Um, but then when I got to college, you know, I realized, you know, I really want to do something in music and I didn't know exactly where or how, um, education wasn't really, you know, my sole path I wanted to take. Mm. I wouldn't mind teaching, you know, back in my college days, but I definitely, there was something about being an ensemble player, being with all those people, creating that experience, creating this music together. That was so amazing. And I sat next to this girl who's one of my dearest friends to this day now. Um, we were sitting in choir in college and she was just like, hey, you play the piano, right? Because I played a couple times and uh, in class for um, Dr. Ashby. And, and she was like, well, I'm taking voice lessons and I need a pianist. Like, can I pay you? And, um, you know, you play for me. <laughs> and that's really kind of how it got started, which was awesome. And then that professor is Dr. John Linford, one of my great mentors all through college, um, being this amazing vocal pedagogue and just person in general. He really sparked my interest in saying, you know, you could you could do this full time just because being connected with people that have connections, you know, that's really what the business is about is mm -hmm. really connecting with people, building those relationships. And uh, Dr. Linford said, I'd really just love for you to play for all of my students. I like how you play. And I I've always had this interest in voice and piano. And so um, I just really got to know people and offered both my time and they paid me and that's kind of where I am today. So is that how you did most of your advertising was through word of mouth and, ju and just, you know, knowing people or did you ever put up flyers or social media blitzes? How did you get your clientele? Um, it was really by word of mouth. Um, the university that I've worked at for the past 12 years, uh, BYU-Idaho here in Rexburg, um, it's really a word of mouth. It's a it's a smaller program, but there's still a lot of active uh, people in the program. They're very serious about what they want to do with music. And, um, you know, I became really good friends with the faculty and having their recommendation really meant a lot. Um, and I... I really feel like having the opportunity to play in choirs really helped because a lot of singers are in choirs and a lot yeah. of singers need pianists, right? So they were seeing me and they're like, oh, wow, she's really good, you know? And then she's like, oh, well, she plays for me or she plays for me and she plays for me. So it was really, um, you know, it's a two-way street. You know, I needed to give up my time so people would then come to me. Um, but I have done a little bit of advertising on social media in the last little while, but it really was just word of mouth. And um, at the university, they do have a, an accompanist list. And I was able to get on that. And so people would just, you know, go one by one, calling, calling, calling. Mm -hmm. But mostly it was word, word of mouth. So uh, money is always a fun thing to talk about. How did you settle on your fees when performing and practicing with others? And how do you know when to raise your prices to lower it? Do you ever drop your prices to get more clients or do you, you know, you have your fixed price and you stand firm, you know what you're worth? 
Right. Yeah. The money question. Yeah. <laughs> that one is, that one's always difficult, but yet not difficult. You know, um, I started asking around the, at the time when I started, you know, the piano majors, they were a lot of them accompanying mm-hmm. and, um, you know, kind of getting a gauge for, you know, what they could play and how much time they spent into practicing. And, um, you know, if that price, if I felt, you know, comfortable with that, um, when I realized it was something that I wanted to pursue more and more professionally, more accurately, and then more financially, you know, I needed to look at, okay, how can I raise these costs? Because I mean, I started at, I want to say $10 for half an hour. Okay. And that's not what I charge now, (laughs) you know, 12 years later, (laughs) you know, but I mean, it has, it had to be very feasible for the area. The area that I live in is extremely conservative and so I definitely could be making more money at this point. Um, and so now where I have my degree, and not necessarily that you need the degree, um, mm-hmm. I think the experience plus a degree definitely creates um, that understanding of how valuable you are as a player and as a, as a person. Yeah, being but able, to, like, put, being able mm-hmm. to put letters at the end of your name really helps boost your, uh, your, your image a bit. True, true. And it boosts your confidence because you're like, hey, I've, I've spent the time, I've spent the money, I've spent the energy, you know, creating this um, and really being serious about it, you know. So when I got a piece from a student, I would make sure that I knew their part well enough that if I was studying what they were studying, so like clarinetist, you know, that I could, if I had the skill to play their part as well as they could, I could because I knew their music so well. Mm. And I think really people appreciated that because it wasn't just playing for a gig. You know, and yeah. I know we've all kind of done that, like, okay, cool, I need an extra hundred bucks, you know, I'll do this type of thing. But, you know, when you have continued people that come back to you because of the cost, because of their experience they had, you just, you know, that retention of the clientele is so much higher. So money is always a hard thing. But I mean, and I tell people, if you can't pay my own time, you know, let's talk about it. You know, like I understand, especially working with a lot of undergraduate students mm-hmm. who their first time working within a company, you know, they just don't, they just don't know how things work, you know? And so you have to have a little more patience to teach them, you know, okay, well, if you continue to go outside of this university or this area, you know, this is how things work, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of time we just really have to look at what we're willing to put into it and the experience and level that we have for as far as cost um some places have a fixed price um like uh i play often with seattle falls symphony they just had their youth arts or youth artist competition um you know and they're like okay it's this cost for the day and whoever you know we need to play for you know maybe one person it may be five people you know so sometimes um i'll take that and say like okay cool that's an extra you know 150 or whatever they charge Mm -hmm. you know and so i think a lot of the time we just have to look at the time and i think we miss that occasionally because we'll see the numbers and we're like oh i need this cash i need this right. you know, I have this bill i also i'm a single mom with three kids so <laughs> you know i'm being very careful mm-hmm. about how my money is spent and so to take those opportunities sometimes you know you might not get as paid as much as you would maybe ask for but then there are also additional things that go on your resume that you know potentially show oh i'm collaborating with all of these people in the area mm. even though you know, it may not be, you know, entirely your full cost that you want. But I think having that connection, I mean, with the symphony, I've played, played many times with uh, Dr. Hoyser down there, and he's phenomenal. 
So just having those connections, I've had him do a couple, you know, recommendation letters, you know, so even though, yeah, I would love to be paid more with other organizations, having those connections, those relationships sometimes trump the dollar signs, you know? Yeah. And that's something that I've learned in my own profession is, you know, sometimes the, what you don't have in the cash dollars you make up for in future relationships and relationships. Now, since you've been such a successful collaborator, you've been able to learn a lot about, especially the voice from sitting in on so many vocal lessons, like much more than the typical voice student. I mean, you attend, you know, several lessons per day, whereas most students will attend one per week or, or something like that. Now you have voice students of your own, even though your main training is in the piano. Could you tell us more about how you built that studio of vocal students? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it really just sparked the interest of, um, I've always learned to sing, wanted, wanted to learn to sing well, right? Um, I may not have this amazing solo voice, but um, <laughs> people were recognizing what an asset it was to have someone who's great at the piano but then also be able to coach and teach voice as well. And so I think it's just really reaching out to people and just saying, hey, I've added this into my studio or hey, for this semester, I'd be more than happy to help you with your languages, with some of your vocal technique, Um, not to step on toes of teachers, but just, you know, super basic things, breathing, pronunciation that are just kind of well-rounded and known through, you know, the vocal study. Um, I think also... I've had the opportunity to be in many choirs. Um, I was able to tour last summer with the Collegiate Singers to Canada. And so when I wasn't at the piano, I just up and walked up over into, you know, this, the choir. So, and that was such a unique experience because um, there's just something different when you sing. You know, there's, it's just really God-given because it's it's your personal instrument, you know. Yeah. And so that's really unique to help someone understand that, you know, this is just you and how you can really accentuate and really bring them, you know, to the best that they can. So, yeah. It's it's just so amazing how many doors being a good pianist can really open up. And especially when you choose to, uh, to collaborate with others. Now, you're part of several performing ensembles as well. You're part of the Trio Dubois, <laughs> the Ladies Quintessential Quintet, and, and more than that. What is the typical day or week like as part of these professional groups? Did, did you help form these groups? Did you join them? Yeah, so I, I actually joined them. I was asked to join um, Trio de Bois about, I would say almost a year and a half, two years ago. And it really came from a connection at the university. Um, one Once of the again, professors those connections, there. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, putting, your place, putting yourself in a place where you can be involved in a lot of things. Um, I didn't necessarily need to be employed by the university to freelance at a university, mm-hmm. but um, just being able to work more with in, within the higher education. And that's ultimately what I would like to do is work as a collaborative pianist and coach at a, at a university. And so uh, the student professor there had noticed me in and out of lessons on programs um, running around the building as most of the, <laughs> the collaborative pianists do, you know, in and out. And, um, I'd never specifically worked with her. Her name is Elizabeth Crawford. Um, and she called me one day and said, I don't know if you'd be interested in this, but my friends and I, we have this female performing group and we found some pieces we'd like to do with piano. And I just 
really been impressed with you and what you've done here. Would you be interested in playing with us? Um, and I said, yes. <laughs> so those are my favorite kinds of calls when they just call you up. I, I love right? those. <laughs> it was fantastic. And it's been one of the best experiences um, I've had in a professional setting before. Um, I have had several that have not been very good, you know, it's just kind of comes <laughs> with the territory. Yeah. It's probably you been through many yourself. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, Trio de Bois was formed about 10 years ago. And um, my friend Lori um, Shepard is clarinetist in Seattle. Nicole Fulmer um, is, she's in Utah. She's this amazing oboist. And then Elizabeth is here and they've been playing for like 10 years. And uh, we put this program together. We performed it up in Seattle. We performed it at BYU-Idaho. Uh, down in Utah, we traveled through the Wasatch Front, all these schools teaching and outreach and Wow. It was just like, okay, here we go. This is it. So it was an amazing opportunity. And uh, we released weekly videos with, you know, everything from COVID really gotten virtual. Um, and so we're getting ready to do a lot of really, really exciting things. Uh, we're joining up with Group Muse uh, to do several concerts. Now, this isn't Muse as in the, the, the rock band from Britain. <laughs> No, no, no. No, okay. It's uh it's like a streaming platform um company because of like our work previously. Um, you know, they reached out to us or we reached out to them. We do a lot of like research within our group as well. Um as okay. far as like funding. Um like we we received a grant um to have a commission from um Cy Brandon and he wrote this piece about Craters of the Moon. And it happened to be, you know, this in Idaho, um, the National Monument as well. Right. And so we were able to apply for grants from the Idaho Commission on the Arts to help fund what we were doing. It helped, you know, fund our equipment, it helped, you know, fund our time. And then we did this amazing virtual live stream with the composer, with our ensemble, with, uh, we pulled in another friend of ours who's a former musician, but now she's an artist with all these amazing, um, all these portraits she had drawn of the moon um, and we even invited the National uh, Parks guy to come and talk with us, too, and tell us about that. And it happened to be the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. And so it was just like this wow. cultivation of all this huge collaboration. It's still on YouTube. You can watch. Um, and it's just it's just been really this awesome ride, which has been really cool. So how how do you go about you said you got a grant for that. How do you go about getting sponsors? How do you go about getting gigs as a performer? That's, you know, I think that's one of the hardest things because being um, an entrepreneur, self-employed, yeah. um, definitely you are your marketer. You are the, <laughs> you know, the employee, you're the accountant, you're, you're the social media person, you know, so yeah. um, we do a lot of research within our group. Um, there are sites that are dedicated to funding residencies. Um, we you know, the government, I mean, the Idaho Commission on the Arts was a great thing to find. And I know that other states also have that as well. Um, so it was really just a lot of like self-research for that. Um, having so many people spread out in different areas, that's been a benefit as well, because we have a couple people in Seattle. Um, Rose Johnson is our flautist, and she's well connected with the you know, symphony orchestra up there. And so we've got some other things like plan for Christmas coming, you know, and she'll just reach out to us. Um, we have a weekly 
meeting <laughs> Saturdays at six o'clock mountain time. Um, we discuss everything that coming up, you know, we do a lot of Marco Polo. We have a lot of messages, a lot of emails. Um, and all the women in our ensemble, they, they teach privately as well. They have their families, they have kiddos, they have dogs. Mm-hmm. And it's, just incredible how much they're willing to put into it on top of that you know they really just value the opportunity that we have for that so a lot of your performance work focuses on highlighting and championing works by uh, underrepresented groups and specifically uh, women women composers women performers how do you go about finding these uh, these musicians and bringing them out of the woodwork you know, this was really a fun project. Um, I guess just recently we had a call for scores. Um, with everything that's going on, all of the movements and all the political rises that are happening right now, we really felt like one thing we could do to support people in our genre was to help them create something. Mm-hmm. And so we did a call for scores, um, and I reached out to all my composer friends, reached out to you, reached out to people that I know, reached out to different sites. Um to really see if we could just collaborate together. Um, And, you know, some of it is Google, honestly. (laughs) Women composers, Google, you know. Um, Some of it are the people that we're connected to. Um, One of the things that I really enjoy about our ensemble is that everyone is committed to such high-quality projects and production and so the great thing about being connected with high quality people is that they're connected to high quality people who are connected to more high quality people and so they know of people and they know of people they've worked with previously you know that happen to be you know female composers or bisexual composers um or you know just different ethnicities as far as composers Mm -hmm. go that was that was our focus on this past um call for scores um, but we really enjoy working with female collaborators. Um, and I asked my ensemble about this because I had my feelings about it. I wanted to hear from them as well. Um, and my feeling about working as a all-female ensemble was that it creates this safe space for us to share and work together and develop and progress um, rather than it's just another gig type yeah. of thing, you know. And we wanted it to be a long-term type of thing, you know, and it's, we're not there to, you know, say, oh, well, I'm so much better at this. I'm better at this. You know, we really work together to create that atmosphere of that camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think where as women were a more emotional at first rather than logical, um, as men, we definitely have that support for each other. And it's not just about the music. It's about our lives and how we're creating this together. Um, and so finding other female collaborators like that has been such a joy. Um, and it really gives, I think the rest of the female community permission to do that as well. Mm -hmm. And not that we don't work with men (laughs) or other people definitely, but we we definitely there's uh, just something unique and very special about working with female collaborations. One thing we know about becoming a professional musician is that it's not a linear process. What are some of the watershed <laughs> moments for you, the the highlights and the lowlights in your career uh, that got you to where you are now? Oh goodness, um, I think some of the highlights for me are really just given the opportunity to play for some super famous people. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, 
this most recent one, uh, Frederica Ponchada came to do our Christmas concert here at BYU Idaho. No and, way. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. I know. She's like in retirement. She's done all these things. She like created Carabino. Yeah. You know? And so we got to do a master class with her and uh, she goes by Flicka. And she was just the most kind and supportive and amazing and just driven you know, woman, that it was just incredible to just have her put your her hand on your shoulders. You're just like, oh, this is so great. Thank you. You know, and I'm like, thank you. This <laughs> <laughs> is me, you know. So just being able to work with those high-class musicians has been something incredible. Um, having opportunities um, to work with. I've worked with Dr. Michael McQuay before, who's phenomenal. And just hearing things like, hey, you're like really good. You know, like we should look into this type of thing, you know. And, Having um, those type of opportunities, um, being called by the local symphony, that was a huge thing for me, the first mm -hmm. time they called. Um, and it was because he had called the university and the university told him, you know, we're looking for someone to play harpsichord in our Christmas concert because we're doing broke Christmas music. And the professor there, Dr. Kerr, was like, oh, well, you should you should hire Allison. She's great. You know, and I didn't even like think that he would think of me type of a thing, you know, so just mm. to have your colleagues really rally for you, I think was just very, very impressive. Um, yeah, I mean, we've, you know, so many of us have, we've worked with great people who are so encouraging and, and they really help you. You know, sometimes it's, you know, they'll, they'll point out your weaknesses for the purpose of making them strong. Uh, and, you know, they really want you to succeed. And then we've had experiences with just jerks. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so you said you would play with even jerks. You would play with once. And then you just after that, you say, nope, not gonna mm -hmm. not gonna do it anymore. In a kind of tactical way, like, no, I'm sorry, I don't have time for this or I've got other projects um because i'm always working on something which is yeah. so fun um but i always keep a handful of people to refer them to so i don't just leave them on their own i feel that's unkind so i always have three or four people that i say here are this these people i recommend they're their phone numbers you know try them out and they're always just really grateful for that so i can still say no without the complete guilt of like oh i can't help them out you know which i think is the hardest thing because we overwork ourselves so much as collaborative pianists um, but you do have to say no. And that's been really hard for me to do. So yeah. I definitely learned over time to say no to some things. Well, we've, we're, you know, we're right back to those relationships. We need to, <laughs> we need to build new relationships, build good relationships. And, and, you know, right. burning bridges isn't really a good idea for people who, who make their living collaborating with other people. It's true. Yeah. You really, you have to put your heart into it, honestly. So what are some resources for those who who want to be collaborative pianists, either those who are uh, you know, going to school for it or those who didn't necessarily receive formal education in collaborative arts? Um, one thing that was extremely helpful for me was the Collaborative Piano blog. Um, it's been put on for the past, uh, I want to say, 12 to 15 years now by Dr. Chris Foley out of Toronto. And he is incredible. There are so many resources. How do I put together a rep sheet? What is collaborative piano? What um, programs are available throughout the world that offer a degree in collaborative piano? Um, that was the 
biggest thing for me, a friend of mine um, back in the day when we all did blogging, <laughs> Blogspot, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was following a singer friend of mine and she had the link on the side and I was like, collaborative piano blog, what is that? And I think that was the biggest resource. Um, Dr. Folly has spent, oh goodness, 10, 10 years realizing, you know, there's nothing out there that defines like what we do, yet we do it all the time. And so he started writing and putting in resources and, and connecting with people. Um, and I actually was able to be connected with him. Um, and I've studied with him for the past seven years. And he's just, he's just phenomenal, this repertoire guru. And, um, you know, I'll do video calls with him and coach me and my, my singers, um, you know, my ensembles, which has been just a treat to have. So I think that's a really, really, really great resource as far as online. Um, other resources like in your area, um, I say universities are probably the best resource you can have. There's somebody there that does something or knows something with collaborative piano, um, several books. There's the art of accompanying, um, Gerald Moore, one of the most, I'm sorry, one of the most prolific, um, collaborative pianist coaches, uh, Martin Katz, the book, the complete collaborator that has been my Bible mm-hmm. <laughs> for many a year. It's marked up and highlighted and all the things. And what's great about that book is you actually have a resource online that you can listen to. So when he talks about breathing specifically in like a Schumann piece, you know, he'll write it all out. And then you go online and you listen to him perform it with his singers so you can see and hear exactly what's going on. So that's a really, really great uh, resource as well. Definitely love those. Well, Allison, it has been fantastic talking with you. Uh, Where can people go to learn more about you? And is there anything that you want them to know about specifically? Anything that you want them to get hyped up about that you're involved in? So I have a website. Um, It's allisonvestacompanist.com. You can find all the information about myself and what I'm doing, um, contact info there for lessons or coachings. Um, I'm also on social media, uh, Instagram, it's Allison A. Today, as well as on Facebook, just Allison Best Collaborative Pianist, um, YouTube as well, which is great. Some things up there. The biggest thing I'm really excited for is these collaborations with Group Muse. And so they're going to be a virtual, it's a virtual live stream. And there's actually going to be like a talk back session uh, before and after, which is cool. Um, so you get to like talk to us. You're going to be able to like watch um all of the music it's like almost an hour program and then we talk again at the end which is really great so those are coming out um every month starting i believe in december and then we'll just go every month after that that is a paid thing um which i think is really really unique and this time we do a lot of free stuff which i think is uh definitely unique but um the group news is gonna i'm really excited for that as well um, I have a couple of recitals coming up on campus uh, before Thanksgiving, which is great. And um, there's just something about being a superhero at the piano that makes me <laughs> want to play every day. I think that's a very <laughs> accurate term for collaborative pianists, superheroes at the piano. Oh, their Collab Fest is coming up. If you go to ikcas.org, and that is a, one of the biggest festivals that would usually happen at UNT. Uh, but just due to how everyone is really being great about social distancing and um, COVID going on right now, um, they do a big collaborative festival. And so there's people all over the world. You can follow them. That's a really great resource too. All right. Well, thank you very much, Allison. 
You're so welcome. So good to be here. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Musical Progression with guest Allison Vest. For links to the different resources discussed in the interview, please visit patreon.com slash composer. We'd like to remind our listeners that all episodes of Musical Progression are sponsored in part by the gracious patrons of the Mike Merrill Composer Patreon. Patreon is a fantastic platform in which anyone can sign up for monthly donations to artists and creators of their choice in exchange for tokens of thank you from those creators. Donate for as low as $1 a month and start seeing benefits ranging from exclusive access to the Patreon-only feed on the Patreon page to handwritten thank you cards, live conversations and private composition and theory lessons with me. To find out more how you can help sponsor the Musical Progression Podcast, go to patreon.com slash composer for details and a list of benefits. Until next time, happy music making. <laughs>